privilege of having with us Jeff Lexvold. Uh, Jeff and Greg have been in dialogue for many years, and Greg has been a spiritual mentor to Jeff. And so this morning, uh, I know Greg's very excited about having Jeff here, and uh, so would you warm, warmly welcome Jeff. Hello, Woodland Hills. It is fantastic to be here today and to the uh, thousands of individuals who are tuning in over the airwaves. I actually want to speak to them. Uh, Greg calls them the podrishioners. And uh, over the last six years, uh, I have uh, tuned into Woodland Hills. I am a faithful podrishioner, and so I am one of you. And in fact, I think... I think I am, uh, uh, in the history of, of all of Woodland Hills, I'm the first podrishner to be preaching. And so that is exciting, very exciting. But I also know that when Greg isn't preaching, I give the guest speaker about 30 seconds to inspire me before I shut him down. So that gives me about 15 more seconds before I'm shut down. So I'm going to just tell you what I'm going to cover real quick. Last spring, Greg launched us into a phenomenal... Uh, topic on God's will. It was transformational. And, uh, and in prayer about this weekend, the Lord placed in my heart an additional perspective on God's will. And so we're going to be going through that text today. And in correlation to that text, you're going to be introduced to a present-day Apostle Paul. Very exciting. And, uh, and, and this person actually worships right here at Woodland Hills. So with that, I hope that you'll stay tuned in. I believe that uh, all of Woodland Hills, even if you're thousands of miles away, um, God wants you to hear this message. A little bit about myself. It was in 1994, while working nights at the Red Wing Shoe Company and uh, running a successful sales route during the day, that uh, I read this little book called Letters from a Skeptic. This book blew my socks off. It, uh, how many of you read this book? Yes! It, is, uh, it is, is by the one and only, the Boydster boy himself, Greg Boyd, your senior pastor. And it actually it exploded the fence of, of, of what I was sitting on in my Christendom and launched me into being a passionate disciple of Christ. It set me free uh, with... Answering the questions that are keeping me from declaring Jesus as the way, the truth, the life. And so, if, if you have questions about God, about the Bible, about heaven and hell, about Jesus, about the Christian faith, highly recommend you pick up this book, Letters from a Skeptic. I believe that there are six copies left back in the store. I, think, I hope they have more in the, somewhere around here. Uh, or you can get it online. Um, and also, Greg promised me a percentage of all future sales for that plug. And, and with one kid in college and one coming into college, I think you should buy two books. Uh, one for you and one for your agnostic neighbor. <laughs> He's not giving me a cent. Do you know that? Two years after, uh, two years after reading that book, in the summer of 1996, while, uh, while on a high school ministry canoe trip as an adult leader, God put on my heart a very clear message 
It said, Jeff, drop your nets. Come and follow me full time. And then over the next few moments while in prayer, he gave me this comical vision of me standing in front of hundreds of people preaching the good news, just like I'm doing right now. And it was comical at the time, even though I was a salesman. I absolutely dreaded, hated public speaking. But I took that message and vision very serious. And so much so that uh, over the course of the next few months, I enrolled at uh, a seminary, which I ended up getting a Christian, uh, um, master's in Christian education. And I uh, took a position, a youth director position at a local church. Disciples of Christ, when, when the Lord places on your heart a deep vision of, of you being nudged into being about building his kingdom, whether it makes sense or not, you need to listen. You need to act. Over the course of the, uh, the last 16 years in ministry, I've been on uh, staff at four different churches. I'm currently on staff at a, a large church in the uh, southern metropolitan area. Uh, for the last four years, I've been the spiritual care pastor at Sunshine Music Festival in Wilmer. And in fact, this year, I'm now the new coordinator of Sunshine. How many have been to Sunshine Festival? Okay, I'm going to need you guys in the prayer tent this year because that's one of the things that I'm heading up. So we need to talk after the service. Um, as you see at the picture on the large screen, I'm very blessed to be married to my beautiful bride, Dory, and next to, next to her is my oldest son, Jacob. He is a junior at Bethel University, uh, getting a degree in biblical theology, so we have great conversations. My youngest son next to me is a senior at Woodbury High School, majoring in senioritis, and uh, we are very privileged to have a young man from Thailand who is our foreign exchange student. He's a junior at Harding High School, just down the road, and we call him Gunner. And, uh, and so we're, we're really happy to have him with us till June. And of course, last and probably least, our two little hairy uh, schnoodle beasts with really bright eyes. All right, well, let's dive into what brought me here this weekend. Every time I tune into Woodland Hills, uh, to the podcast, I am, I am tuning into the, the Holy Spirit that is alive and at work. As mentioned, Greg launched us into this, this topic last spring on, on God's will. And it was, it was transformational to me, and, and I know for many of you as well. And I've gone back uh, a few times to listen to those messages in preparation for this weekend. And the Lord revealed this text from from, the, uh, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 uh, that we're going to be seeing here on the large screen. And this text, <clears throat> I want you to just keep in mind that it's not some kind of magical formula. It is merely a new attitude on life and living into God's will. The Apostle Paul says, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I spent some time um, asking God, uh, okay, if this is the text, how do you want me to, uh, how do you want me to preach on this? I mean, I can't get up there and say, uh, be joyful always, pray a lot, 
Give God thanks for everything. Amen. So, uh, I, it was uh, one particular day I was, I was driving into work, and I typically spend my, my time in the car um, commuting to and from work uh, as my quality time with, with God in prayer. And on this one particular day, a song came on my iPod. And in fact, I'd like you to join me for a moment on that drive to work. started playing, I, uh, I just started weeping uncontrollably, and uh, I'm thinking, what is the deal? I mean, is this like part of my midlife crisis or something? And uh, within a few moments, uh, God, God gave me this vision, and I know what you're thinking, here's this guy driving around the, down the road, on the freeway, praying, and now he's having visions? But it was a snapshot of a vision. And, uh, and it was of this artist holding, having this, this sign next to her with three words on it. And it said, I choose joy. And it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Because I knew that this artist has severe disabilities and, and daily challenges and I couldn't imagine her choosing joy and having a joyful heart. And so this really bothered me. And so that night I went, uh, when I got home, I did some research online. And I found that, that uh, she has a blog. And after reading through just a very short amount of that time reading her blog, that uh, God definitely wanted me to preach on this text this weekend. But he didn't want me to be doing the teaching. He wanted this artist to be the one who used my voice, a voice that she doesn't have, to be the one doing the teaching. And so with that as the background, let's go ahead and, uh, and tackle this text. The first aspect of God's will for his children is to be joyful always. Our, our Father in Heaven's desire is that his children have hearts filled with joy rather than with heartache and despair. Can you imagine going through your day with a joyful heart? When things aren't going your way, when you have immense struggles, I know that's a foreign thought. But the artist whose song I wept through and who God wants you to hear from today emulates this entire text like no other. Her name is Carly Walleen. She is 26 years old. She is a disciple here at Woodland Hills. And I admire Carly so much. As I mentioned right away, she is like a present-day Apostle Paul. 
in, in the amount of struggles that she goes through and the deep faith that she has. Carly has a rare developmental disorder called Rett syndrome. If you have Rett syndrome, it is like having autism, epilepsy, severe anxiety disorder, cerebral palsy, and Parkinson's disease all trapped and wrapped up in one body, all the while having a very intact, intelligent mind. So do you get the picture? She has, she's smarter than most of us, but it's her body that just doesn't want to listen to her mind. For the first 10 years of her life, um, there was no way of, of her being able to communicate her needs or her wants with anybody. I mean, that's, imagine, that's 3,650 days. That's, that's 22,000 awake hours where no one can understand you. To me, that's, that's like a living hell. Her mom said that she spent that decade crying a lot. Huh. Yeah, I would too. Well, then through a miraculous breakthrough, through the help of, of others, she was finally able to, to communicate with the world through using this special keyboard. Someone holds her, her arm, her wrist, and, and she's able then to, uh, to type out all that's been, been trapped up inside of her. She's able to pour that out onto this keyboard. As I mentioned, Carly has a blog. Let's listen to what she says as I read this. Put yourself into Carly's shoes. Ask yourself, what kind of attitude would you have with these daily challenges? Carly writes, I struggle every day with Rett syndrome. There are times I can't feed myself, times when hyperventilation and breath holding make my days really hard, times when seizures stop me, times when I have terrible headaches or frustration I can't control, and anxiety that makes me feel like a crazy person on the outside. Nights when I can't sleep at all. Days when I, I can't stop chewing on things. But with all of this, I have a blessed life. Did you hear that? She says, with all of this, I am blessed. We can all learn a lot from this disciple. Let's continue reading here. I sit here with a smile on my face and a great joy in my heart. Because my eyes can see how much better off I am than if I never had this disability. I don't feel like I have an impossible life. I have seen things that many others can't. I have experienced joy that is not from this world. Oh, that can preach. I don't worry about Rett syndrome. It hasn't stopped me from being loved by God. I have so much joy because my hope isn't in a cure. My hope is not in a life that is easy. My hope is in my heart. It is from God. So to me, Rett syndrome is God's gift 
because he made it become a blessing. I believe that with all my heart. Wow. Wow. I love many things about Carly, but I mostly love her, her deep faith and her attitude on life. Carly chooses to rest in the hope knowing that someday God is going to renew and restore her body in the kingdom of Christ. She speaks of the word joy three times in just a few sentences. The joy of the Lord, she says, does not come from this world. That statement is so profound. In fact, I know if that resonates with you at all, it's okay to shout out an amen on that. As if Carly was up here right now. The joy of the Lord does not come from this world. Oh. When you read through her blog postings, she has the attitude that God is a good and gracious God and that someday God is going to set her body free. But until that day comes, Carly has accepted her numerous disabilities and has chosen to be joyful rather than angry at life. She's finding joy in knowing that Jesus is her Savior and her salvation, that God is her strength. And even with all the challenges, and part of her joy is knowing, too, that she is being a mighty blessing to others. Carly chooses the joy of Jesus. Carly chooses joy. And so I ask you, how are you doing? How are you doing with having a heart full of joy? I'm not talking about being happy. You can have the most miserable day, and yet if you have the joy of Jesus, nothing or nobody can take that joy from you. God's desire is that through the struggles and pain, through the hardships and despair, that we set our minds and our hearts on things above rather than on earthly things. A quote from the third chapter of Colossians, which we should be getting to by next summer. Actually, I, I would love to come back and preach on, uh, on the third chapter. That is my all-time favorite chapter of the entire Bible, is the third chapter of Colossians. So I'm excited to, do, to hear what Greg Boyd is going to do with that. But God knows, God knows that it's not, that this life is not an easy street, especially for those of us whose desire it is to be followers of Christ. Think about the first disciples. Their life surely wasn't easy, but yet they had the joy of the Lord, didn't they? How about the uh, first, and century, first and second century Christians, who if they didn't denounce their faith in Jesus, would be dragged into a coliseum filled with ravaging animals. And what's awesome about all of that is the people in the stands watching. How many of those people watched these 
followers of Christ. And they didn't know what it was, but they wanted whatever it was that these people had. Didn't they? So many of them dropped their nets, didn't they? Because they wanted whatever that was, and we know that's the joy of Jesus, right? Yes. God's Word tells us in James chapter 1, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. He continues to write, Perseverance must finish its work so that you may, you may, may be mature, not lacking anything. I'm going to raise the question. Could we dare to believe, like that of Carly, that our trials and our, our daily struggles could actually be turned into blessings from God? According to his words, these, these struggles develop things in us that will make us strong and actually mature disciples. It's this perseverance that's going to allow us to get through anything that is thrown our way. I love what the Lord tells his disciples in the, the 16th chapter of John, verse 20. He says, you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Disciples of Christ, you will grieve, but your Lord and Savior promises you today that your grief will turn to joy. Your grief will turn to joy. So if you have a hurting heart today, know that your Lord says your grief will turn to joy. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. The next aspect wrapped into God's will from this text is pray continually. Parents, if, uh, if you're not praying with your, with your children on a regular basis, what you're doing is you're, uh, you're communicating to them that, that spending time with God in prayer isn't that important. It really surprises me that uh, all the, the people that I talk to who, are, who say they are followers of Christ, uh, outside of mealtimes and their goodnight prayers, how few of them are spending time with God on a typical day. I, I, I recall being in front of 250 students at a church youth group, and I asked that question. I said, uh, students, how many of you, by a show of hands, pray on a typical day, uh, but meals don't count and 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 uh, your, your bedtime prayers don't count. I'm just kind of curious. And less than 1% raised their hands. I counted them. It was like 16 hands that went up. Many of you heard this phrase before. Faith is caught more than it is taught. That is so true. And so parents, I don't think you realize this, but... You have the greatest influence of faith on your children, much more than their peers, much more than, than the media. The question is, is how are you influencing them? One of the best things my mom uh, <laughs> did while growing up for me was uh, she emulated what it meant to be a, a follower of Christ in her prayer life. 
I would find her many times uh, alone praying, and then I would personally experience her praying with me. And, you know, it didn't matter how old I was. And I don't know why that is, parents, when, when your children get to be a certain age, like middle school and, and definitely high school, you, you have this thought that, well, I truly, I'm not going to pray with them anymore. I'll pray for them, but not with them. Um, and I don't know why that is, but my mom was, she didn't care about how old I was. I remember being a senior in high school, and, uh, and I would hear her coming up the steps. And I'm like, oh, no, where's my light? I'd switch it off because I knew what she was going to do. It just freaked me out. She'd come into my bedroom and, and uh, sit on the edge of my bed, and you know, I'd pretend I was sleeping. It's like, come on, Mom, get the hint. And she'd lay a hand on my shoulder, and, and she'd say something like, honey, how can I pray for you? you know, and I, I was like, Mom, I'm tired. I'm fine. That didn't deter. I said, well, I'm just going to pray then for you. And she would start praying right there for me. And I'm thinking, oh, my mom is so weird. None of my other friends have a mom like this. But I absolutely loved her faith in this Jesus. Mm. It was, I wanted to have this faith that she had. In a God who really did care about me, relationally. And I found myself years later uh, doing what she was doing for me, and that was praying for other people. You know, ever since Carly was a little girl, her parents prayed for her and with her, not just, you know, not just at mealtimes or at dinner or at uh, bedtime, but throughout the day. So I want to say, way to go. Lois and Greg, your faith in a mighty God was caught by your precious little girl. Hmm. If you've been at Woodland Hills for some time, or a, uh, a pod rishoner, you'll know that uh, the biblical theme of love and war, and, and how we live in this spiritual warfare going on all around us, every day determines if we'll be conquerors with Christ or slaves to our sin. Carly would admit that if it is nearly impossible that to, you know, in order to be a conqueror with Christ over our sin, if you're not spending time with God in prayer throughout the day, it is going to be nearly impossible to be able to live into that. You must realize that the enemy, Satan, he doesn't want us to be uh, tapping into Jesus. He doesn't want us to be, because uh, Jesus is the ultimate power source, right? He, and, and so the last thing Satan wants is for us to be tapping into that. Some Christians think, I don't need to pray. God knows what I already need. Look, if Jesus, the Son of God, the Alpha, the Omega, God in flesh, the Messiah, spent time with his heavenly Father every day, conversing, connecting. Don't you think that we as his followers should be doing the same? Yeah. Mm. It takes humility to realize that you and I don't have what it takes to be conquerors over our sin 
if we're not connected to the vine in prayer. Did you catch that? It takes humility to realize. You and I don't have what it takes to be a conqueror over our sin without being connected to the vine in prayer. So if you're not spending uh, time with the Lord in prayer throughout your day, I want to encourage you. We need strength from above. We really do. We really do. There's a strong emphasis throughout scriptures on God's word on starting off the day in prayer. So here's a viable application, Woodland Hills. Uh, Start your day in prayer, connecting, conversing, and... uh, um, the majority of Christ followers, and I don't know why this is, but they, they wait till, the, uh, till bedtime. And, and, and so, you know, continue doing that, but start each day in prayer. And so often what I will do is my alarm will go off in the morning, and before I set foot on the floor, I will spend just a little bit of time, and I'm just basically giving, giving the day over to the Lord, saying, you know, Lord, God, this is your day. Lord, help me to be about your kingdom. I'm not the Lord of this day. You are. Help me to walk with you, Lord. Just connecting with him. It's going to really change the outlook of your day. You know, it reminds me of, uh, in a way, this analogy that if, if, if you're just saying your goodnight prayers, it's like, can you imagine having a relationship with someone, your, your spouse or your children, and, and they don't talk to you all day long? And then all of a sudden, right before they go to bed, they peep out of their doorway, goodnight. Love ya. Wow, it's not really much of a relationship, is it? And I think, I think God feels that way. It's like, oh, I want to be connected to you. Why are you ignoring me? Carly's been known to uh, spend up to two hours in the morning in prayer. There's times when her, her parents will come in and, and she's got a sign, you know, and, and they, they know, oh, she's still praying, you know, and she's like, get out of here, I'm praying with my Lord. Yeah. Now, I know that for some of you, we're like, two hours, there's no way, Jeff, that I have two hours to spend with the Lord. Even if I'm on vacation, I don't have two hours. But how about, I'm going to challenge you this week, how about on your commute to work, whether you drive in a car, be careful of them visions, by the way. Uh, make sure there's snapshot visions. Uh, on your drive in your car, or maybe you take a bus, or you walk, or you ride a bike, that this week, on your commute to and from work, or to and from the grocery store, or whatever your errands are, use that to connect with Jesus. It's going to change the whole outlook, outlook of your day. So. All right, the third aspect of God's will for his children mentioned in this verse is giving thanks in all circumstances. Now, this one, I believe, is the most difficult uh, of the three to actually grab a hold of and, and to put into action. You know, we give God thanks when, we're, when we are able to buy that shiny new car, don't we? Or we, we're able to, we buy that new house that we've always wanted. Or the doctor says to us, uh, oh, you don't need to worry. You've gotten here just in time, you know? You don't need to worry. Or I love this one. I, I, I know I've given thanks for this one many times. You know, we give God thanks when, when that person who's really good looking says, yes, I'll go out with you. I was like, yes. Thank you, Lord. But it's a whole other 
whole other scene when, when uh, the news from the doctor is not good. Or we've lost our job. We have to sell the car. Or the home is taken from us. When good things come our way, we give God thanks and praise, but when rotten apples start dropping around us, many of us find ourselves, me included, complaining to to even a point of sometimes even just blaming God. What we need to be reminded of in in those dark and gloomy days is that God sees the entire field where we're only able to see that which is right in front of us. And we also need to know that, that his, precious, um, his precious children, that as his precious children, that the Lord is holding us tightly in those times. As if, I mean, as, if, as if a parent holds their child when they're hurting, our Heavenly Father is holding us and lifting us up, saying, it's going to be okay. I'm right here. I love you. You're going to get through this. Notice that this verse doesn't say, give God thanks for all circumstances. It says, in all circumstances. It's very difficult to be thankful for the rotten things in our lives. But if we, um, we can be thankful and give God thanks for being our stronghold while we live amongst the rotten apples. You know, I've come to realize as I get closer to my midlife crisis that if everything is handed to me on a silver platter, that it's almost impossible to be thankful for the little things in life that maybe aren't so little in God's eyes. I want to turn again to something that Carly wrote in a recent blog in regards to being thankful. She writes, God has given me so much peace to endure this life. I know that even if I have no abilities in my lifetime that others have, my life mattered while I was here because God showed me that even if I struggle, he can use my life and my story to open people's minds and their hearts to others with Rett syndrome. For this, I am truly thankful. Amen, huh? Now, Carly could easily find reason to be discontented with her life, but instead, she actually chooses to be thankful to God for her disability because he's he's using her to open the hearts and minds, and and her life is, is a blessing to other people, isn't it? Oh. You see, if you're going around... Um, discontented, and only, you're going to be a miserable person if, if all you're looking at in life are those things that you don't have, rather than those things that you do have. Yeah. Carly is thankful because she knows that God has used her story, even this weekend. She's thankful. Because you know what? She knows that you too can be thankful. Because after this service is done, you should be giving God thanks because you can stand up, you can walk out these doors, you can turn to your loved one and actually say the words, I love you. 
And for the most part, you can be thankful because you can control your body. So she's giving thanks right now because her story is helping all of you be thankful. The Apostle Paul writes to the Philippians in the fourth chapter, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now, I know that uh, many of you recognize this verse, but it's the last sentence that you recognize. And I want to say that it's even more important than the last sentence is what comes before that. This comes from a man, the Apostle Paul, who is actually writing this from jail. I mean, he had, he's just been whipped to an inch of his life. He's sitting in a cold jail cell, and he says, I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. So Woodland Hills, what is the secret of being thankful when you're hungry and you don't know when your next meal is going to come? What is the secret of being thankful when you've lost your job and you don't know how you're going to provide for your family? What is the secret of being thankful when your loved one has passed away and all you have is loneliness? What is the secret of being thankful when you can't walk or talk or control your body? The secret that Paul discovered that allowed him to go through the trenches of torture and despair while still giving God thanks no matter what life throws his way was knowing that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, is by his side lifting him up, giving him strength, comforting him through the Holy Spirit, and giving him the peace to endure this life. Before we end... I need to say that God doesn't go around handing out hardships. Amen. Just like God didn't have Paul whipped or tortured or thrown into jail, uh, God didn't give Carly Rett syndrome. And God, just like God didn't give your loved one that terminal disease that ended their life, God doesn't work that way. Keep in mind that God looks like Jesus Christ. Our loving and gracious Lord, you should never blame God for those rotten apples around you. We're all going to have life is full of rotten apples. It's what we do with them that matters. So be joyful always, knowing that Jesus is your strength and your salvation. Pray continually as you lather yourself with a thick coating of the Holy Spirit to fight off the enemy and give God thanks for putting you in this game of life so that you can build his kingdom and be a blessing to others. The key to finding joy is giving God thanks. I'd like to invite the prayer team to come forward. And uh, if you have any need you'd like to have prayer for, these folks would love to pray with you and keep uh, everything that you share with them will be kept confidential. As they do so, I have one last announcement um, before we pray. Through the painstaking help of her piano teacher and years of composing with flashcards and notes, CD here, the Lord has helped Carly create a beautiful 
uh, CD with 10 piano hits. As you leave today, it is Carly's songs that you are hearing. Carly would love for you to visit her blog and have you get a hold of her CD and support her in continuing to be a mighty warrior in this life. You can go to www.spiritdances.wordpress.com and we're going to leave this up on the, on the large screen. Would you join me in prayer as we, as we stand together, please? Gracious God, a power and compassion. Help us, Lord, to have an attitude, that of Carly's, one of joy even in the midst of challenges. Oh, Lord Jesus, give us the desire to seek your face the moment we awake and throughout the course of the day. Holy Spirit, we give you thanks and praise for your presence as we experience the good and even the grief. Move us to a place of contentment in all circumstances so that we can be a witness to others of your glorious kingdom. All of God's people said, Amen. This service has ended. Go out and build the kingdom of Christ.